What's up? What's up, y'all? It's keeping it real with Miss Breaker, and today I got a new guest on the po- on the podcast. Please introduce yourself, real quick. I'm Miss Clark. Yes, Miss Clark. Nice, 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 nice. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. It really has. How you been? I've been so well. You know, trying to protect the peace and the mental health. I so. feel you on that. I feel you on that. I feel you on that. It's important to protect your mental peace, for real. Especially in this today's society. Absolutely. Especially with all the social media going on. Yeah, we definitely have to do that. Yes. So, what are your thoughts on corruption and the educational system? Yeah, I will. I have a lot of thoughts about that, like especially with me being an educator in the school system. I just think that, you know, there's a lot of slow but very strong corruption that is happening within the education system in terms of, um, you know, systematic racism and um, lack of opportunities for schools that are in low-income communities. I agree, and it's sad because it's like, what can we do to support our youth, especially the young urban communities? Because it's like it's hard for them because they have to deal with the streets. They have to deal with home, you know, trauma, a lot of different things. And going into the schools, you expect school to be a safe haven, but there are no programs or there are not enough programs for all schools to reach that, you know, level of emotional support for these children in school. Like absolutely. What are your experience and experiences with the educational uh corruption of like really not tending to children's need of mental help? Absolutely. I think that Boston Public Schools specifically, you know, cuz I can speak for that, um, you know, being a Boston Public School student, um, it's very important to kind of, you know, tap into your experiences from the past and also kind of, you know, think about the things that you went through and how to experience yourself. And I think for myself, I had to experience a lot of um, environmental factors that had inf- um, could have an effect on the way that I look at, um, you know, my educational experience. I think there was a lot of violence, a lot of, um, you know, drama yeah Um, yeah yeah which can definitely get into the middle of education and I think that sometimes we have to give our kids um more opportunities more programs like you said before and more investments in um extracurricular activities and community service program I mean community um programs for the community and for the students just to make sure that students have a place to go after school, instead of having to be in the streets, a lot of the times financials are a problem for a lot of families, and it's important to make sure that the families have reassurance that financials won't be a problem for their child to be safe. So I think it's important to put more investments in our extracurriculars, and um, I think Boston can definitely help with that. We're providing more free opportunities for our students. Yes, I agree. Like, when I was in middle school, I remember, like, doing girl power, and being in school, like, for me, like, although there's a whole bunch of girls, right, we have our own cliques. 
We don't click with other clicks. It is what it is because that drama is in there. But although we were forced to build a foundation where we all had to build a sisterhood, doing things together, you know, teachers forcing us to work with different people, it forced you to, you know, build that that social skill too and emotional connection with someone else. But nowadays it's like they don't even do that anymore. It's like they they just – and I feel like it's not even just because of COVID. Like even before COVID, a lot of programs weren't reaching the needs of students' emotional um, health. Yeah, no, I actually agree. I think and, you're, and, and you're right how – and when you're young in Boston public schools and you're fucking in middle school, there's fighting going on, there's drama, and it's violent. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. Every day is different. Yeah. But every day is the same shit. Mm-hmm. Violence. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that the only way to escape violence, I think, is a strong family foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the only way I was able to avoid it was because my parent didn't allow me to, you know, go places really after school unless it was something that had involved school. Um, a lot of the times my mom picked me up and dropped me off from school just because she knew what the environment was like. And it was really important to know that somebody was following up with me. So I think that a lot of the times now we do not, you know, take as much pride in parent engagement and parents actually being involved in their kid's life and making sure that they are present. And yeah. I think that when kids know that there's consequences for their actions, at least at the home front, then they can translate that into school. Yes. Um, I think an additional thing is, is that mental health is like a catch-22 now. I think that when maybe if we look at 10 years ago, um, mental health was still a thing. But um, instead of saying you were depressed, you were just sad. Instead of saying that you were anxious, you were just nervous. And I think that now um, we are having kids who are clinically diagnosing themselves without um, going to a therapist. And I think that it's um, important to um, build kids with resilience rather than focusing on mental health. Not trying to say that mental health should not be focused on, but at the same degree, we need to realize that once you're 18, mental health is not a focus when it comes to getting in trouble or consequences. It's not a major factor. For example, if you Mm. are depressed, you're not going to still have a job. If you don't show up for days, um, if you are, um, say, for example, upset and have trouble handling your anger and you cuss out your boss, you're not going to have a job. So at a certain degree, there needs to be a level of resilience that's being taught with a lot of these kids that's not being taught at all. And I think that 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 makes them um, mentally weaker than generations before. I agree with you. And it's crazy that you say that because it's just like the special education programs, too. Like, I do the ABA, and it is hard because these kids, you know, the program that I worked in before – is very unstructured where there's not really much consequences. There's not really much leeway on how these kids are expressing themselves. They're just throwing tantrums and going crazy and not learning or knowing how to simply just put everyone together and say, like, what is a program that we can have for these kids to get out their anger where they're not in harm, danger of the students in the classroom? You know what I mean? You're not able to teach kids that have disabilities 
about how it is about in the real world as well. You know what I mean? It's like you're struggling so much on, oh, we need to teach, we need to teach, but it's like how are we going to teach this child to control their frustration, their misunderstanding, their way of how they shall communicate if they're nonverbal or whatever the situation is, you know? And it's like it's not realistic how certain programs are built for these kids to help them manage and control their emotions because they're still caught up on a lot of things they're battling at school drama at home who knows trauma you know and then if they're running the streets if they're out in the streets and they're trying to find love and they're trying to find understanding and they're trying to find a connection it's so hard for a teenager to even find peace in life so then they begin to give up and school is supposed to uplift our students. School is supposed to want our students to go to school. You know what I mean? School is supposed to be the sanctuary. School is supposed to be the safe haven for our children. So it's like if we try to build programs, if we try to invest in our children and invest in education programs to help our kids, whether it's during school, after school, set things up and have things ready so that we're able to function in this light for our children's health. Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, I think that the focus when it comes to, once again, I will circle it back to the mental health aspect. I think that um, there's more choice for students. I think that there's more freedom for children. Um, yeah. And, it's a f- and how it's phrased is a freedom of expression and independence in a child and giving them a right to have their own mind, which is something that I do believe in. But at the same degree, um, as adults, we are able to have a unique perspective because we have experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we were younger, because we are, we were raised by parents who had perspective and could see things 20 years ahead of us. We were able to um, be told what to do without a choice. Yeah. And I think that now when you don't give ch- children choice anymore, it's criticized and it's looked at with a left eye. And I think that that's why a lot of um, programs are cut. Because I think that when it comes time to hold kids to a certain standard, I think that now we've created a society where everybody's a winner. Even if you are somebody that's doing the least out of the group, you're still going to win. And you're still going to get some level of reward, even if you didn't put in all the effort. And I think that kids now are being told that no matter what you do, you're always going to be appreciated. And I think that that's fine, but that's not how life works. And I think that we need to be more realistic with our kids. But I think now we are told to be more um, sensitive to our children, which is good. But that's just not how the world is. So I think it's important to um, first... Um, give the parenting back to the parents. How about that? Give parenting yeah. back to the parents because I think that parents are scared to even parent their own child because they don't know if they're going to have DCF walking at their door the next day yeah. just because they told their child that they can't wear what they want to wear. Yeah. Um, I think that from the basic essence of that, that's the reason why there's no uniforms anymore. Um, and I feel like there should be because this of is course. why there's beef between kids. It's all about fashion. Yep. Oh, who got the nice kicks? Who got this? Who got the nice? Yep. Who got the next polo? Who got this? Who got not the next Jordans? Yep. And it's so fucking sad because it's like we're teaching our kids how to hate each other, not yep. even 
work with one another, love on each other. Like having that social, having that social skill is important. Yep. I think that in public school education, what people do have to realize is that in public school education, you have to follow the general laws. And when you're in public school education, if generally um, we're following a suit of every kid should have their own self-expression, you can't enforce uniform policies anymore. And you can't enforce certain things that are universal for every student because every student is unique. And the thing is, is that I think that teachers are scared to teach because if they say the wrong thing, then they have a risk of their job. I think parents are scared of doing the certain thing that their parents have done. Why? Because um, they may lose their kid the next day. And I think that this society builds kids to have a platform that isn't useful, especially in the next, if they're 13, it won't be useful in the next five years. So why are we teaching them that now? Why are we crippling them now for something that's not realistic? Yeah, and I agree. I agree with that 100%. We are, not we, but they are crippling our children. Because it's putting a lot of fear into, like you said, the parents on whether or not they should do this and they shouldn't do this during parenting. Absolutely. And it is true. And, you know, like, for me growing up, you can speak for yourself, but I can speak for my own self. Growing up, Miss Clark, growing up, do you remember, like, for me, I got one ass whooping for everything. I can count the ass whoopings on both hands, and I still have a... I still got fingers left yep. type shit because it was a one and done for me. I, I was told one time not to do it. When I got caught doing it, got my ass booked for it. And it only took me one time. And for me, that type of discipline, that type of structure was beneficial for me because it, do, it does teach. It's a teachable moment. You know what I mean? And even if, like, for me, yeah, I got my, my ass whooped after, but shit motherfuckers talk to me after whoop my ass Absolutely. i beat you because you did x y and z and i told your ass not to do this because this these are the consequences it was dangerous what you did and i'm not beating you because i hate you i'm beating you because i love you and i want to protect you and i'm trying to teach you a lesson and having to hear that and after getting your ass beat you're like yeah you're right you're right you did tell me not to do that and i did take that chance and I got my ass caught up so you know I live and I learn from it but it's it is different nowadays you know kids you're right we we give a lot of kids too many choices you know when is enough enough because if you give them too many choices and there's no more choices left what are you creating you're creating a, a, a demon at this point because then corruption builds and more corruption builds because there's they're out of choices. Nothing works for them anymore because they've had it all. So it's like, how do you help build a stable mindset for a child to know whether or not they know the difference between how they truly feel and what they're trying to get away with? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that how we get a child on track is regulating a child's schedule. I think that it's important to keep children involved in activities. I yes. think that it's, ch- it's important for parents to stop being lazy, and I will say that to parents. Stop being lazy. I think that parents are just as lazy as their children are in terms of social media. 
I think parents are just as obsessed with social media as their children are. So it's easy to put your kid on a tablet and leave them aside for maybe an hour or two. But little do you know that when they're scrolling through YouTube that they're looking at twerking videos and all this foolishness. Not monitoring their children's electronics. Yes. And so your kid are being taught by the world. And then you're surprised that your kid has F words and you haven't even cursed in front of your child one time. Oh, where did they get this language from? Absolutely. (laughs) And I think that it's very important for parents to take back responsibility for their children and stop being lazy. If you start to become more involved with your children, and I'm not trying to say every child is like this, but I've seen parents who are still to this day very involved in their children's lives and their children are very successful, very involved, very on top of their stuff to the point that their parents don't even need to help them anymore because they've already instilled a sense of responsibility by the age of like 12. So it's very important it's very important to build consistency and to make yes. sure that you build a routine. Your child should still have a freaking bedtime until that they're in, you know, at least 16 years old and or or get to you get to a point where they can show you that they can wake up on their own and it's not an argument every morning. It's important to show children that until you can show a stable routine, a stable, um, you know, independence, that there's no point of me letting go of the reins because it's important for your child to be able to maneuver as an adult when you let them go into the world. So I think a stable routine, keeping your child active, that doesn't have to be sports, but that means into something that they are invested in because I think once you do that at an early age, they start to have interest in what they want to do for college Things like that. Yeah, or expose them to different things just yep. to see what they want to do, you know, based off of their own talents. Yep. You know what I mean? Because you don't know what your kid is interested in and what they're talented in unless you do expose them to those things. You know, my mom, I remember asking my mom the same question, like, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you? She's like, I did. But, Miss Breaker, you, I put you in dance school. I said, yeah, I remember. And I was doing the little tap dancing, and I just was like, I want to do hip-hop. And you're like, this, these are you got to go through these steps to get to hip hop, and I just didn't understand that because it was just you know it didn't make sense to me, but it makes sense to me now. But had I gone through with it, my mom let me make a choice, and she said, you know, I wouldn't. I'm not gonna feel bad if you don't want to do it, but you know, I really did want you to do this because it means that you know you what you're willing to try something new. And I said, well, I tried it, mom, and I don't like it. <laughs> you know. And she was okay with it. But she, you know, invested a lot of different things and exposed me to a lot of different things and it made me who I am today. And it's all about exposure and exposure in your culture, exposure in how you navigate through family, through love, through communication, you know what I mean? And that support, having that support system because it's important. Without that support system, it's hard for your child to develop any type of social skills or any type of, skills in general like just knowing how to communicate is so important and lack of communication is what it is and we don't communicate we don't know how to communicate we can't communicate like you said like it's hard for parents to communicate with their kids without fucking people going up saying oh well oh no uh you're neglecting your child what you're doing is not appropriate you need to stop that's fucked up absolutely i think that it's it's it, like I said before, parents are scared to parent, and it's important for the government to give the children back to the parents because at this point, I think that their method of 
um, empowering kids in terms of mental health. And I think it's very important to realize that a lot of kids do go through stress. When I was in high school, college, I went through a lot of stress. Um, and stress does make you feel like you're at the brinks, but at the same time, it doesn't kill you. Yeah. And I think that when growing up, when I was old, when I was growing up, I definitely heard a lot of the things that don't kill you, make you stronger. Yeah. And um, I think that it's important to realize that what we were taught back in the days was nothing but resilience. That despite you feeling the worst or despite you going through the worst, you're still going to be able to prevail and push through. And the success that you get after the storm is 10 times better than what you get if you didn't try at all. Yes. And I think that now what kids are told is that once it gets too hard, back up. And yeah. I think it's very important for kids to realize that it's not empowering to realize that mental health is le leading your life. Yes. It's important to recognize that you are dealing with something that you want to change, but it's not it's not successful in trying to um, identify as some beings as somebody that's just depressed. Depression can be something that can be overcome by different methods, yeah. and I think it's important for people to kind of, you know, feed into the solutions versus feeding into the actual diagnosis. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are so quick to medicate their children instead of figuring out where the root, where is the root of this issue? Where's the root of the problem? Where is it coming from? Why is my kid feeling this way? Am I neglecting my kid? Did my kid experience something? Is it is my kid is my child experiencing something that I didn't even see? Type shit. Like am I being oblivious to certain things or am I just saying or if just because my kid smiles, I think everything is okay. You got to, sometimes you do have to go above and beyond as a parent and just as teachers. I mean, it sucks because, you know, as I'm learning and, I, you know, we have pro professional development days and we have to sit and we have to listen and we have to learn and all this shit and we got to talk about it. And I don't mind doing it because I don't want to say all this shit. I, I take that back. All this important things that make valuable sense. And it makes me think about my life and, 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 you know, how I'm raising my brother. And I think about it like, damn, you know, wow, you know, why, you know, we got to start as teachers. We got to start asking our kids that they eat breakfast. You know, are they okay? Do they need to get a snack before we start school? And I feel like that shit is so important. Uh, there's so many kids that don't even have time to get food because their parents are so busy rushing or they're coming from, you know, they're out-of-city kids. You know, they're Metco kids. You know, it's different. So it's like it's hard to be able to communicate that with your kid. But it's like if you as a teacher can make that step forward, take that step forward to say to your student, hey, you know, did you have breakfast today? Do you feel good? How was your body feeling? What is your body telling you? You know, like trying to make them understand themselves. That's where it starts. You ask them the questions and you, you – let them give the answers, but you limit their choices. And it's not you saying, oh, yeah, just because you feel this way, yeah, let's do this. No. Just because you feel this way, you know, maybe let's see how you feel after you have a snack. You know, or let's let's see how you feel after doing a few problems and, you know, figure out what, oh, let's see if you can take a strategy. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Absolutely. Just as simple as let's take a break. Let's breathe. Let's take deep breaths. Let's focus on ourselves just for the moment, and then we'll come back to work. 
then we can talk about what how you're feeling because I don't want to bring it back up because then it'll distract you again. So it's like learning those skills, learning how to function in that way is so beneficial for me as a teacher, yeah. you know, but not having enough programs to help the students and other students, not just working one-on-one with students that have actual, you know, disabilities in that sense. How do we help the other students that are struggling too that don't have disabilities? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's hard. It really is hard to have that balance, but it does fall back on parenting. Yeah. I think that it's important to realize that as teachers, we only have six to seven hours a day with your kids. Yeah. And kids are in your presence more than they're in ours. So whatever goes on at home, if there's a lack of consequence to their behavior, then when it comes time to come into school, there's going to be a replication of that behavior. It's just concrete. Because when I call parents half the time, when their kids is acting up, I get the same behavior from the kids that I get from the parents. And yeah. at the end of the day, it's very disappointing to know that the first thing that you would think is that I would start my day with all the things that I have going on to want to ruin your child's day. Yeah, That's not... I don't want to do extra paperwork. I don't want to stay after school late. I don't want to... I'm not in... I don't, I don't want to do extra if I don't have to but the reason why I do it is because I want your child to succeed so when I'm approached with anger or optimism from a parent or thinking that I'm trying to attack their child it's not a good thing to kind of show your child either I think it's okay to have discourse between parents and teachers I think the only thing that is inappropriate is when you do it in front of a child I think that one thing that when I was growing up as you talked about you growing up is that um, me growing up in a Jamaican household? Is that you always knew what your child, what a child's place was? Yes, yes. A child's place was not to be an adult conversation. Yes, was not to see discourse. Yes, was to just be a child and have fun and and be free. And I think it's important to realize that adults will always have discourse, but to allow your child to go through the process as well makes them adult before their time. And it's important to protect kids from. Um, conflict, conflict that adults are going through. It's very important. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I'm sorry for y'all that can't really hear us. I'm so sorry about the the audio. Um, let me see something real quick. But I agree with you 100% because it is true. Like, we all go through different things. I hope y'all can hear us now. But we all go th- we all go do through different things and it's right you know it's with the parents and it begins with them and it's like we do got to hold you know more accountability at home and not just only a re- rely on school because if they're not doing shit at home and it's making school hard for them to maintain there it's like if they go home and have freedom and they come to school to structure you know it's hard absolutely you know they're not being taught anything they're not being um, just, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing there. Absolutely. I always give an example of if I give your kid homework and I'm trying to help you in homework, essentially is not a waste of time. It's to practice the skills because kids cannot sustain, um, an overload of information at a certain amount of time. So if kids have five classes a day, it's going to be very hard for a kid to remember everything. Kids' brains are very tiny. <laughs> yes. And so it's important to realize that homework is extra practice of skills. Now, if I send your child with homework to go home and your child has um, 
nobody to enforce that or to make sure that they are doing it correctly. Um, I understand that parents are not equipped with some of the knowledge because of the change in curriculums over the, t- over the decades. But at the same time, it's your duty to make sure that your child is staying after school to certain teachers to make sure that they're getting the attention that they need. It's important for you to invest in certain tutoring services to make sure your child is getting the extra help that they need if your child is behind in the services. Yes. But it's very important for, ch- for parents to hold their child accountable because we have to realize that when we have children, that our children, yes, they start off as babies, but at the end of the day, when they come out there, our goal is for them to be successful adults, a successful people, successful uh, people in society, helpful people in society. So we need help with that. Yes, we do. We need help. I think being an educator, I get a lot of parents cussing me out a lot of the times, and I'm not trying to say that they do not prioritize their children because they always tell me the reason why I'm cussing you out is because I'm prioritizing my child. But yeah. There needs to be more investment into making sure that your child has independence and responsibility on their own. Yes. Because accountability is very important. When, especially in my school, I serve over 1,700 students. So when a, ch- a parent calls me and tells me that their child is more important than everybody else, it's in very important to realize that um, it, it can't. It, it's not like that. We have to be equal with everybody, so we need your help. Yes, yes, yes. We got to communicate together. It just can't be a one-way street. It got to be a tr- two-way traffic. We got to both communicate. We got to see what the problem is, what the issue is, what I can do better, what we can do better together to help your child become better as a person. You got a you gotta charger? Huh? No? You ain't got an iPhone charger? Because j- my phone's on 10%, and I don't want it to die because it's a good conversation. But going off of what I was saying, you know, it is a lot to take in when it comes to having that conversation. And you're right, a lot of a lot of times parents are getting snappy with us and not just listening. They're so quick to, oh, well, my kid, da, da, da. oh, no, you, you, you. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm not having this conversation with you while you're yelling at me. I'm just trying to let you recognize that I'm seeing something in your child that needs attending. I want to be the, be able to help your stud- my students grow when they're in adulthood so that they can progress. Because if I'm not helping them and you're not helping them and this is how you're reacting to small problems, it's like, damn. This is where my student is getting his behavior from. And it's like, you got immature parents, you're going to have immature students. Absolutely. And if parents can't come and meet you halfway and say, you know what, let me not approach this teacher this way and say, you know, yes. Yes, Ms. Clarks, I'm listening to you. And I and I understand that something's going on. And th- yes, there's been a change in our household. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Whatever the situation is, yo. It can be small. You don't got to get detailed. Just let me understand how I can communicate with your child so that we can come to school and your child can learn without any disruption, without their education being taken away just because, oh, now we got to send them to the principal's office or we got to send them away. We got to do this. We got to send them home. Nah, because now they're missing their educational time. 
we got to stop just dismissing our children and pay more attention to them, pay more attention to our youth. Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, in-school suspensions need to be re-explored. I think that more investments in um, in-school uh, disciplinary action needs to be explored, such as community service and things like that. Um, in terms of making sure that school students are still a part of the community, the goal is not to exclude them from the community, but at the same time, we have to make sure that Schools are taking pride in holding expectations of their institution. Um, I think that fighting and um, dr a lot of drug use in school, especially yeah. when it comes to middle school and high school. I and think sex. Yep. Exposure to sex. You guys probably won't believe it. You guys pro probably won't believe it. But there are middle schoolers having sex. You would think not no... Not no six and seven, eight. No, yes. They're starting young. They're being exposed to it young. And what do, what do, you know? How are we helping our youth? Absolutely, I think that one thing I think is is that middle school students have always, or it's been a smaller degree, have always been exposed to sex. I think it's definitely higher, um, but I think it's once again due to social media, just because. Of even if a twerk, you know, a simple twerk in a music video can mm -hmm. sit here and be arousing for kids. I think it's important to focus on, once again, parenting, monitoring what your kids are watching, yes. making sure you me make those teacher meetings. Um, I'm not going to say that teachers are completely innocent in these um, situations as well. I'm just talking from a teacher's perspective of the limitations that we do have within our curriculums, especially working in a public school. Yes. Um, we cannot make your kids do things that they cannot, they do not want to do. Yes. So if your child, for example, is um, acting out in a classroom and is potentially about to fight another student, we can try to get in the middle and try to say, hey, Stop this. Let's 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 calm down. But we do not have the control to put our hands on a student, so yeah. our limitations are very small. So when people say that a, a school's out of control, I can understand where it can come from when you see a, a range of fights happening. But at the same time, it is not our responsibility to get in the middle of that because we have families to go home to as well. Yes. So it has another thing to do with parenting. Because when I went to school, um, I knew that not only would I get in trouble at school, but I would get in trouble at home. Yep. Um, For sure. There was always, always an expectation of behavior. And the thing is, is that it doesn't always have to look like an ass whooping. But if you know that what your child likes, take it away. Mm -hmm. If your child got in trouble for school for being on their phone, then why, are they, why is your child coming to school with the phone the next day? It's just a slap in the face for the teacher. Because we took our time to make sure that you were aware of what was going on, but nothing was done on your end, so which is a disappointment. And so at the same time, we have to realize where does this respect lie and how are we making sure that that's enforced, not only from the, the teacher's perspective, but also from the parent's perspective as well. I think that p teachers can definitely do better in um, communication with parents, um, making sure that parents are aware of their child's uh, pr progress, early um it's very important to let 
families know that when their child is not doing well, and I think a lot of families who may have language barriers, may be immigrants, um, may have uh, disabilities, may lack the communication that they need to make sure that they are aware of where their child's at as well. So yeah. I think that sometimes teachers need to make the effort to overextend themselves in um, certain areas to make sure that we're reaching everyone and every parent and every family um, is understanding of where their child is at because sometimes we think that parents don't care, but their par- parents are just, um, they're unaware. Sometimes we have parents in financial situations who don't have internet or send them emails back and forth all the time, and they're not, we feel like they're not checking them, but they don't have the means to check them. So yeah. sometimes we need to make sure we're crossing all our I's and dotting our T's to make sure we're getting out to everybody. And what we're starting to do now at my school is just starting to do more home checks and home visits to make sure that if a student is going missing or we're not seeing them for days, reaching out to the family and not getting outreach, that we can just go to the family's house and actually um, make contact and see what's going on. That's good. That's real good. And at my school, I'm I'm in a different area, so, you know, their programs are definitely up there, and they really, really have a good support system. Like, I've never been at a school where – they have you training to know what to do, how to do things, how to do protocols, what to do during situations, how scenarios might play out, teaching us role by role when we get new students and when we have students that are their behaviors are excelling to the point where it's like, okay, now this is frequent. Now we got to start doing this often. So it's like, you know, we have that. And I, I'm blessed to have that team effort to where, like, I'm comfortable with my coworkers where we have that be- system built. Because it's hard working with people and having to do that. You know what I mean? Having that social skill with your coworkers, too, is beneficial as well because it helps you build a team. You know, you're building a team. You're building a community based off of now we're all working on just making sure our students are safe and they have a place to go. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You know, we're the ones checking in on them. We're the ones making sure they're okay. And I feel like that's so important. And whether or not, you know, they're going through stuff, whether or not we need to make donations, whether, you know, oh, yeah, let's do a let's do a fundraiser at the school. Where if people have, you know, clothes they, they want to donate or shoes they want to donate, clothes, you know, jackets, shirts, we do it. We can give it to the students that need it the most. Absolutely. And, like, that foundation there within itself is so beneficial. And, like, like you said, it helps create a system where we're on the same page. Absolutely. I think that that's the thing. It's like we're trying to strive to get across the systematic racism gap because I think that the difference between me and you is that we're both educators, but Mm -hmm. I'm working in an urban Urban. neighborhood and And you're working working in a suburban suburban neighborhood. And I feel like when you work in suburban neighborhoods, and I think that this is what people don't realize as well, is that numbers really do matter. I know a lot of people don't like math, but statistics is a thing. It is. Um, When it comes time to working in a neighborhood, that majority of the, the, or the medium income of that neighborhood is over $80,000 and the investments in the schools are 10 times higher. Um, And because taxes pay for schools. Yes. (laughs) And so if people make more in a a town, then more taxes go to a school. (coughs) That's why when you go to smaller towns, you see bigger schools, nicer schools, more services, nicer lunches. Um, And that's why people vary. Exactly. And that's why people vary away from public schools. 
But at the same time, I think that with public schools, um, the reason why we don't see as much success or progress is just because even within Boston Public Schools, we have 126 schools that need to be funded. Um, when you go to smaller towns, I'm pretty sure that they have less than 10. Um, and yeah. there, and, and when it comes to Boston, our medium income is $30,000. When it comes to Newton, I'm pretty, or, or Brookline or, um, you know, Saugus, or when I think it comes to Dedham or Watertown. those type of plans, Watertown yeah. or those type of places, yeah. I think that it shows that like, you know, those incomes are over $80,000, so that means more investment into their schools in a smaller community. And so it's really important to realize that um, when we are trying to judge schools and what they can offer and what they can give, it's all about the resources that they have. So even though Boston's very um, prestigious, um, we serve more people than most. And so we have to be very cautious of the resources that small towns do have compared to the schools and people who are in those um, overcrowded cities, which are majority black and brown students. Yeah. And it's the truth because it's like we don't focus on that. You know, we pay more attention to, oh, well, they're they're all in school, but it's like it's what who who's gets the most funding. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Who's getting the more who's getting the, the benefit? Yeah. Absolutely, and I think it's all about where you work. Yeah. I think it's all about where you serve and who you serve, and I yeah. think that that's the reason why black and brown kids are affected the most. I think it's just because when you see black and brown kids in redlining that happened years ago of, um, you know, segregation in communities, yeah. um, you start to realize that black people just live in more urban neighborhoods and neighborhoods that are overpopulated and capitals of cities and when you realize that they live in capitals of cities and you say that oh you know new york public isn't successful or chicago public isn't successful it's just because they serve more people and there's less um funding going to each school just because it's a a bigger budget but it's less it's more schools so it's dispersed um more scarcely and i think that that's the reason why we may see schools in boston look the same after 50 years just because it changed something like that would mean that other schools are not going to get as much that year. Yeah, that's true. That and and so truth. we want to be equal, right? So if we want to be equal, we everybody has to get equal things. So I think that um, education is a very um, touchy subject and a very complicated subject and doesn't have one answer because I think it has many layers, um, financial layers. It has, and I think that that's not only on a state level, but that's on a federal level. Yes, it is. Um, federally, education only gets like I think, <coughs> if I'm not con- mistaken, at least less than twenty percent of the budget. I would say around seventeen or fifteen percent, fifteen to seventeen percent. Um, education gets to the budget. Majority of the budget goes to the war, and um, so when it comes to ma- mostly yeah, sixty the police department, yeah. So 60 to 70% of our budget goes to the the defense. Um, Then that means that 17% of the United States budget goes to education. And then that's dispersed out to each each state. And then from there, we have to fight over that. So we just have to be real about what are we really fighting for and who are we mad at. I don't think that we're mad at the teachers who are locally coming to the schools every day. I think it's more on a systematic level of what's important and who needs to be funded um, more. I think it's not even who needs to be funded more. It's about education needing to be funded more. 
Yeah, education as a as a whole needs to be funded more because yeah. our society is just corrupted. And no bull, like even down south, like having cousins, meeting cousins, you know, learning what they're learning down south is different from what I'm learning up north. And I'm like, oh wow, really? All that happened? And they're like, yeah, you ain't know that black people did. I'm like, for real? Then I'm like, damn, I gotta do some research because the fuck we we did a little chapter on this with the with the natives here in America. We did a little chapter on this about the slaves and we did a little chapter. I remember looking at the Faneuil Hall picture with the slaves lined up there and I said, yo, this is where we be walking and going on a freedom trail. This is what this is all about. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you know. And I'm like, so why do you guys sugarcoat it? Why is it only this small portion? And it's like they they try to hide a lot of things, but it's like you're not really teaching us very much. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So it, it goes both ways, and it's like, damn, you know, down there they learn different, and up here we learn different, you know? So it, we all learn the same thing, yes, of course, but we all learn it differently. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the North has always been known to be a little bit more liberating than the South, but people yeah. will have different perspectives of that. But at the same time, um, the North has been the first ones to free the people (laughs) (laughs) so um just and that's why the south is more conservative that's why they're known for conservancy and they 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 thrive off of tradition yes they do and being very traditional and being very um manner have have perfect mannerisms and and being able to uphold a standard and i think that up here things have just been more (laughs) loosey-goosey and i think that um hopefully within the next five years or ten years we can see that this is not working. Yeah, that's for real. That's for real. And it's like, it's interesting because it's when you look at the, the North and the South, it's, it's just like, damn, you know, it is different, you know, different yeah. cultures. And not only that, the educational system is probably worse than the North. Yeah. Like you said, and it's, it's messed up. How do we reach a, a, a point where we're all together in this? Absolutely. You know, the education separation started down there. Yeah. Absolutely. Segregation for sure. I think yeah. that I think it's important to realize that everybody's not gonna be on the same page, you know? Yeah. I that's think that true. everybody and I don't know, I'm not gonna put religion. I out feel like there. everybody has a different point of view. That's the thing. I think that that's how we were all created, you know? I think And I feel like that's okay. It's okay. It's fine. It's and okay. I think that it creates discourse, it creates a level of well, understanding. We can't, we can't be hurting each other and yeah. killing each other over it. You no, know what I mean? Or absolutely not. I think belittling one another or s- preventing one another from growth or success. Absolutely not. I think that it's important to realize that we all hope for our children to be great, but do we look at that that pro that process to be different? Yeah. And I think it's okay to look at that process to be different. I think we need to stop criticizing people for um, th- what they do, you know? Yeah, of course, if, a, if somebody does something extremely bad to a child, it's, it's, it's off with their head. Yeah, I, I feel it. you, yes, you I know agree. What I'm to say? Like, I agree. We know what that looks yes, like, so I, I don't have to go into detail because yeah. that's ridiculous, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So I'm not going to condone any of that foolishness. But what I'm trying to say is, is that everybody comes from different places. I am American, but I was raised by Jamaicans. Jamaican people are not afraid to give you an ass whooping. Yes. Now, from the <laughs> ass whoopings that I Southerners gave. Exactly. The same. From the ass whoopings that I was given, am I okay today? Yes. yes. That's what I'm going to let you know. I am a survivor of an ass whooping. Yes. Period. 
And I'm not going to tell you that you not giving your child an ass whooping is ridiculous. I'm not going to tell you that. Because if you have a method to make sure that your child is successful and they are successful, then great. But if if, if I want to do what I want to do, then that's fine. But people got to sit here and stop being so judgmental yeah. to parenting. That's why I said people are afraid to parent. <laughs> because if you say that I gave my child an ass whooping, then before you know it, people calling the cops on you. Now that's what you got to double think about these days. Because on the average, if people are whooping their child, they ain't telling you that they're doing that shit. For real, for real. <laughs> they're not. Because they keep their kid in check. Yes. But it's like, it's a difference between getting giving your child an ass whooping and abusing your child. Yeah, There's a difference. It's definitely a difference. You know what I mean? There's a once in a, I'm beating your ass because you did this. Yep. And I'm not just beating your ass because you, you know, you leaving clothes everywhere. You didn't do yep. this. You didn't wash. Nah, we're doing real discipline. Yep. Consequence and reward. That's how I looked at ass whoopings when I was younger. When I was good, when I when I did when I did things right, my mom took me to the mall. When I was yes. good and I did things right, my mom sat here and got me my favorite toy. When yes. I was good, I used to go sit sit here and get money, you know, because I had good grades. But when I was bad and I did things that I thought I was slick, there was a consequence, and the consequence was is that potentially it would be an ass whooping. Not every time. But depend on how 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 bad it was, yeah. and I think that home is us is and I don't know if everybody understands this word, but is a microcosm. You know, microcosm is basically a small world in within your world. Yeah. You know, I think before you're a child, you don't know what society is, so you have to remain in a child type of society. Yeah. And I think it's important to realize that, of course, when you're a child, you can't go to jail. I'm yep. sure say yep. when you're a child, yep. you can't sit here and freaking um, go on the death penalty because you sat here and did something wrong. Yeah, but you're yep. gonna have yep. to learn in a small way, in a small microcosm way, that there's certain things that you just cannot do. Yeah, and I think that now when I'm at school with my students and I work with students who are 14 to to, to 19 years old, um, when I was younger, I didn't want. My, my teachers to hear me cursing because I feel scared that they would tell my mom or Same. hearing that yes. like I was doing things <laughs> out of order because I thought that it was going to get back. But yeah. now kids talk to me freely. Yo, they, these they, kids are they, they just curse right in front of yes. your face. It's like there's yes. no level of consequence. And no I think level. parents back then, my mom back then Ooh, said, you're a reflection of me when you walk out this house. You're a reflection of me. So yes. whenever you do something bad, it's going to realize that I'm, I'm, I'm doing something wrong. Yes, but I think that, that parents don't realize that anymore. And I think that it's really disrespectful to, to see that your child doesn't, ha or most children don't have a respect for elders in general. Yes, it's all yes. specific. Yeah. Well, I like you, but my mama don't like you, uh -huh. so I ain't going to respect you. Yep. And my grandmother definitely don't like you, so I ain't going to like you either. Yep. I think it's ridiculous. It is. And that's putting kids in adults' business because your yes. kid overheard your conversation yes. with that woman. <clears throat> you so got to separate that it's shit. It's ridiculous. You, gotta you know, and I'm glad you said that because that's what I do with my brother. Like, despite the things that has happened in my life, I always tell him you still got to love these people because this is your family at the end of the day, bro. Yep. You can't yep. change that. And you're going to need them one day. You're going to need them. I guarantee you. And I feel like, yeah, maybe. But as of right now, that's that's who they are. Yep. And this is what it is. Yep. Love them for who they are now because yep. you don't want to regret later on in life not loving them then. Absolutely. And this generation is not linked to God. 
this generation is not linked to faith in some and and I'm not trying to say that you have to be linked to God, but linked to something greater than just yourself. Yeah. So this generation's very selfish. You know what I'm trying yeah, to say? Yeah, yeah. And I think that it's very important for people to realize. For example, like <coughs> back then, when you were a mom or a parent, your look even changed. Do you hear yes. what I'm trying to say? <laughs> like Yo, you knew, moms you knew back who then was a mom. They had us. They was. Popping out, they there, exactly looking all cute. You couldn't even imagine your mom popping out after you after you after had a mom. Was born? Hell no, nah. yeah, your mom nah. popping out. Oh nah. hell no, nah. out there classy. Nah, nah, chilling. you gotta be classy. Your mom gotta hold up a standard. Your mom <laughs> yeah. even wear mom she clothes gotta after that. She gotta represent herself in a yep. way where her repu- her reputation yep. matters. And I think that nowadays they even tell moms, and this is the thing people would possibly criticize me for this too. I think that it's ridiculous to tell a parent now that just because you're a mom, things don't have to change. That's crazy. That is crazy. That's crazy. That is. You know, That's an excuse. Mom, your mom all still went out. They still went they out. They still went out. We, who was babysitting us? Freaking family. family. <laughs> yep. Family. <laughs> family. But we had same, a good time. So it's like they still lived their life, yep. and so did we. Yeah. There was a balance. Yeah. But there was a balance. Now they're telling you that your mom could sit here and be out here, um, and and with her nipples out, looking crazy, yeah, and, and picking wild. you up from school, looking like lo- looking crazy with the miniskirt on. Yeah, there's certain things that you I think that this do. society just puts in people to be selfish. Just be selfish. Yes, you you got kids, but why should that stop you from being you? The thing is, is that why it should stop you is because it's not about you anymore. Yeah. That's just what it is. When you have yeah. a kid and you that, and kid. you have a baby, if you running out the house in the first two months in here shaking that ass, you should be ashamed. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because you have to I realize. Agree. I agree. Because though. you have to realize that your child's still breastfeeding at that time. Yeah. And this is not a criticize, criticism to anybody, but we all have to realize that at a time, a child's at a critical moment. So to you to yeah. say to say, fuck the child and worry about yourself. Because it's self care. That's selfish. As that's fuck. some bullshit. And that's that's that bullshit. bullshit. That and is. that's where it starts. That's the selfishness that it starts. And that's the kids that we're raising. Oh, we yeah. got to take care of ourselves. So we gonna go leave you with grandma yeah, for, yeah. for 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 yeah. three weeks in a row. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Because we got yeah. things to do. Those things are ridiculous. Yeah. When my mom was when I was growing up with my mom, yes, I would go with family. Yes, my mom would go out, but those things would be scarce. Yeah. It would not be every weekend. It would not be. It would not be every month. It, it would, would probably be yeah. every couple months. Yo, for real. Yeah, I'm trying to say maybe yeah. once or twice every couple of months, and yeah. they would be on occasions. For real, because then we had birthday parties, exactly. Holidays, you know, exactly. We had gatherings. We Things had were planned around us. Yes. Things were planned around us as children. Yes. And the thing is, is that we weren't working around our parents' schedule unless it was work. Yes. If they weren't working, then they were all odds. Yes. You feel what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. And I feel as though like it's very important to prioritize your kids. It That's is. just where it goes back to. It is. It's a society showing you that you can and I'm not saying that you gotta you gotta be all refined. No, you don't gotta be refined, but have some type of decency. You yes. know what I'm trying to say? Being a parent requires a sense of restraint and decency, you know? To sit here and show your kids like look up to me, you know? Sometimes yeah. you're going to have to take that risk because when your kids yeah. want to have kids, yeah. 
yeah. they're going to have to see your that, life. Yo, not only that, when your kids get older and yep. they become adults, they start to hate your yep. ass. Yep, because you wasn't they there. They can't stand your ass. You wasn't there. Because then they realize you've done so much wrong in their lives yep. that corrupted so much emotional damage. Yep. Mental damage. And w- to the point that it's hard for them to, you know, function with their own kids, yep. like you said. Why would kids these days, honestly, um, be scared to have children older? Why? If their mom is out here doing their thing and they never stop their life not once and they don't see any level of sacrifice, right? And and, and a change in life, then what would really scare a child to have a kid today? You know what I'm trying to say? Back then we were scared because we We realized our parents used to tell us, your life is over. over. A kid, your life is yo, over. And your ass That's is getting it. the hell up out of here, too. For real, yeah. You're getting up out of here, too. You're going to see what life is really about. You feel what I'm trying to say? Yo. And I think that now it just shows that, nah, a kid's not going to stop your life. No, no, no. It, 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 it should. Yeah. It should. It should. It doesn't have to, but it should. Yeah. Especially if you want that child to be great, you yeah. know? And I think that it circles back to, you know, the education piece. Once we have parents that are a little bit more concerned about their child's day-to-day and concerned about going to the parent-teacher conferences, um, concerned about connecting their child to these different services. Us teachers, we need to be there to help. Yes, To make sure that those things are followed through with and we provide the support and the resources to do so. But it needs to start from the parents. Yes, I agree. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, and, w- and when I have children, I'm going to do the same. You know what I'm going to yeah. say? I feel like I have to practice what I pre- preach, and I'm not going to be somebody that has a child and then suddenly says, my child's not successful because of the teacher. If that's the case, why I ain't switching school? You know what I'm going to say? I just got my child, this day not learning. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. What part of you're the parent does it not get to you that maybe, because when I was in school, I was going to Catholic school for like four years. And when my mom had me take the a test, a standardized test for the first time, she realized I wasn't learning nothing. I was getting honor roll the whole time in that school and couldn't even do double digit multiplication. Okay. From the second my mom seen that I could not do double di- digit multiplication, my mom took me out that school so fast, mid-year. I wasn't even there for two months. My mom took me out of there. Why? Because she was concerned. Yeah. Not only concerned, but she was so concerned that she had to do something about it. Yes. You feel what I'm trying to say? Took and action. that's the thing. It's like you got to take action. I'm not going to sit around at my at a school that my child's not learning anything and can't even sit here and, and, and multiply. So what am I going to do? Have them sit there for 10 years and then blame it on the teacher why my kid's not successful? No. You need to sit here and realize what is my kid doing and is my kid successful? Who's evaluating this? Yeah, for real. Who is evaluating this? This doesn't make sense. Yeah, who's evaluating this? You just gonna leave it up to the school that ain't teaching your kids supposedly to evaluate that they ain't doing nothing? You gotta be very cautious of if you don't trust the school system, then you're gonna have to take some responsibility. Yes, you're gonna have. You know to. what I'm trying to say? No, for real. You have to. <laughs> like as a you, parent, you have to take responsibility. Yeah. If you don't trust me as an educator, and this is the thing, I'm not telling you to trust me. Because I know that I have good intentions for my kids every day, but if you don't trust educators, I understand. But if you don't trust me, then you need to sit here and make sure I'm on my P's and Q's. Yes. And if you don't do that, and then 10 years later or five years later when your kid's ready to not graduate from the school, then I'm the blame for it. It's ridiculous. Five years, it shouldn't be enough time for you to sit here and realize that your kid's not where they need to be. Yeah, for sure. It shouldn't it's take that ridiculous. many years. That's you need ridiculous. to make sure you're checking in 
every other month. Even if you having a conversation with your kid or your kid asking your kid to write something and looking at their handwriting, you already know that something's off. There's 10th graders I was working with in Boston Public Schools, and I promise you, the first day I started working at school, at that school, I asked them to write a sentence, and the kid couldn't even sit here and write the word the, and was in 10th grade. Couldn't even write the. Couldn't even read the. You know what I'm trying to say? And I thought to my head, and I just cried, because I thought to my head, I said, how did this little boy sit here and pass through four grades? And not even, this kid is at a second grade level. How he in 10th grade? And he was in 10th grade because his parent never sat here and even said to themselves, wow, my kid's not where they need to be. They need to get kept back. They need to learn that stuff again. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Kid, parents are so embarrassed of their kid repeating a grade, but goodness gracious, if your kid's not where they need to be, what happened to re- kids repeating grades? I'm not even going to say Kids hey, don't so even repeat grades anymore. I, I, I repeated third grade because mm-hmm. of the school that I was in. I was yeah. in an urban community. They was very prejudiced. They didn't give a fuck about my education. They had me doing shit I wasn't learning. Yep. My mom was like, oh, hell no, we're moving in. We're going to a different school because at this point, this is ridiculous. Yep. Because it's not it's not, it's not, not making sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absol- and that's your parent taking action. Yes. And I think that's the thing. It's like parents need to sit here and realize when you ask your child to sit here and tell me a sentence and your child ain't even saying the sentence right, they don't double-click in your head that, damn, my kid is 10 years old and don't know how to say a sentence. We need to have a meeting. For real, because that's fucking second, second grade, yeah, third don't, grade. Don't, don't, ask yeah. the, don't, don't wait for the teacher to make the meeting because the teacher got about 100 kids. Yeah. Wait for the, don't wait for the teacher because the teacher has to give equal opportunity to everybody. So if your child is 90th on that list, then you're going to be waiting. Your yeah. child is nobody to wait for. You know what I'm trying to say? And this is me as an educator. Be on me if you feel like your child's behind. But when you yes. feel like your child's behind, make sure that you are willing to be there to make a plan. Don't be there to just sit here and blame somebody because I'm trying to ask you as well why your child hasn't done an ounce of homework. How you go home every day and you know as a parent all you did was get his homework, but then you think your child comes home every day without homework. That's crazy. And you want to blame me because I didn't tell you that they had homework? Your child needs to have self-advocacy skills because you talk. a lot of parents these days talk for their child so much they don't realize it cripples them. Yeah. Stop talking for your child. Have them advocate for themselves. They should advocate for themselves. You know what I'm saying? When they feel like they missed their homework, hey, miss, I missed my homework. Go to the school the next day and tell their, their teacher or send an email. Yeah. But why are you sending it? What is that going to do? Now I'm going to say, teach your child to make sure that they can follow up, up, up on their things. Because until you do that, you're always going to sit here and be the one sending the messages. Yep. Until they 20. Yep. You're going to be the goddamn messenger for the rest of their lives. For the rest of their lives. If you allow. Come on now. It's we not gotta, worth it. We, I think back then our parents were more realistic that one day we would be adults. Yo, for real. I think that's emails now, yeah. young. You remember? Yep. <laughs> Yep. Had email accounts, had this, you know, had yep. our own little, you know, it was different, and we was learning, and it, it's like nowadays, it's like, oh, here's a tablet, here's this, here's that. And that's what, and I'm letting y'all know, parents, the tablets are messing up your kids' handwriting. It is. Kids cannot write, even in a cursive, they cannot write as a, as a, as the grade level that they're in, because all they're used to is writing acronyms and writing, like, abbreviations of words. 
And sometimes kids are just so used to writing on a tablet that they're not practicing their handwriting. So you have to realize that the social media is helpful, but to what extent of what you're limiting your child to be um, excelling at in other areas. Yeah. You know? It's very important to realize that this is all a parenting thing. But at the same time, I'm not going to get on parents like the government isn't on there, but about being um, open to their... For example... Even when it comes to the LGBTQ community, I will definitely always never disrespect them because they are very strong, just as much as any other group. But when it comes time to even parents making a decision of what they want their child to wear, right? Yeah. Those things are criticized to the utmost and saying that you're trying to put your child in a bubble. First of all, if your child's asking to wear a dress at the age of six years old, does not mean that your child is gay. Yeah, that's true. If we're trying to say that clothes does not define sexuality, then why are we trying to say that us stopping our child from wearing a dress in 50-degree weather, whether it's a girl or boy, if it's 50-degree weather, you ain't wearing a dress regardless, okay? Because I'm trying to protect you from the heat. I mean, from the cold. So in that case, that's just a a decision I'm going to make regardless. But because you want to associate it with, because it's a boy that they want to wear a dress, because of that, you don't want them to do it because they're gay? I think it's very intrusive to put on a kid's sexuality that early. We have to be very, very, very cautious of what we're doing to our kids because when you start talking about sexuality, that involves sex and attraction. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to say it's not about not having the conversation at all. It's, it's about when is it when yeah, when is it appropriate? You're now exposing your you're now breaking your child's innocence by exposing them to sexuality. Yeah, and sex clothes should not be linked to sex. Clothes should not be linked to sexuality. Yeah, I'm trying to say when you want to wear a certain color. Yeah, I'm trying to say that's fine. Wear a certain color. But if you're gonna if it's shit. fifty degree weather and you're asking to wear a dress, whether you're a girl, whether you're a boy, it does not matter. You're not wearing it regardless, and a parent should have an authority to say that. But to know that you could be criticized for just making common decisions when you're buying your kids' clothes, I can understand what parents go through. It it can definitely be a a, a double thought on their head to sit here and say, should I just let them wear it? I see freaking kids coming to school in freaking 20-degree weather with no coat, and then their parent will sit here and say to me, oh, they don't like wearing coats. That's the reason why I don't let them wear it. Because they, they, they always give me a fuss in the morning. I don't like them wearing no coats. But your kid's going to get pneumonia. So because they don't like to wear it, you're giving them free choice? That's crazy. So you're going to expose your kid to cold just because they don't like it. But you're an adult. You know what being exposed to cold is going to do for you. Yo, who are you telling? You know what I'm going to say? You yes. get frost nipping like 10 minutes. So what you going to do because your kid's going to throw a tantrum that you're not going to put a jacket on him? That's what I'm trying to say. Sometimes we have to realize we're the adults here. Without experience, we would know nothing. Yes. You know what I'm trying to say? That's why we have children we to pass back to down pass that knowledge. Down that knowledge, pass down the tools to help them function in society and the world. Yeah, they're not our friends. You know what I'm trying to say? Parents are not kids' friends, and I think that that's what we have to realize. We they want us, we want kids to like us so bad. But to be honest, I re- I remember being a teenager. I didn't like my mama either. <laughs> I didn't like her either. I was going through issues with her my whole teenage years. But at the same time, when you get older, you start to realize what life really is and you appreciate it, right? Yes, yes, yes. I agree. Yeah, you see things in, 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 in perspective. Teenage years was tough, man. Yeah, really tough. Really, really, really tough. Because you're trying to be your own self, but you're still underneath a certain type of rule, yep. you know? Yep. 
But you start to realize that as you get older that, oh, yeah, that party my mom not to- told me not to go to and those friends my mom told me not to hang out with, 10 years later, you see why. Yeah. They seen things that you didn't even see. Yes. You know what I'm trying to say? They was hearing stuff you didn't even hear. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? And the thing is, is with your parents is that the good thing is, is that they can give you that hard no to let you know you ain't doing this shit. Yes, you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> Period. That's the end. It's That's the, the end, end all be all. But now the parents are not even the end all be all. These kids are doing what they want to do. Yo, for real. And it's, 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 it's sad, and we need to get back control of our kids. We need to sit here, and once I think the parents get control back of the kids, the school will get control back of the kids, and ultimately yes. we can have a more peaceful um, school environment. I think schools always had kids that, and I think that we also need to be realistic of. Some kids are just not going to be as successful as others. Yeah, that's true. You got to realize that everything ain't for everybody. Yeah, it just happens. You know what I'm trying to say? Some kids, you won't realize your child may be a hands-on learner the whole time and may be at a college preparatory school the whole time. Your kid may not learn or be simulated not one time by um, lectures, but can thrive 110% if they're learning how to put together a car. Yeah. You got them in the wrong school. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. They're not even interested in that stuff. They lose focus in it in two seconds. Why? Because you need to have them in a vocational school. I'm just going to say, you think that certain kids are not successful because of the school. No, certain kids have different abilities. You know what I'm trying to say? I've seen certain kids who are very great with technology but lack attention in or, or lack strength in, in ELA or maybe, um, you know, history or something like that but are really good at math. You have to go to a school that majors in those things, math yeah. and science school. You know what I'm trying to say? You got to take time to realize where your kid's going to school. Is it feeding their interests? Is it feeding their goals? Because ultimately, that's why we have a lot of students in BPS, I believe, that are unsuccessful. There's not a lot of variety in what schools offer in BPS. There's not a lot of tracks. Madison Park's the only school in Dorchester, I mean, in Boston Public Schools, that is Votech. But Madison has such a bad rep that a lot of people don't want to go there, but people yeah. don't realize Madison has a lot a lot more opportunities than the average school. Like once kids are 18 at Madison, they can sit here and graduate and get a union book. But almost maybe like 40% of their kids only, gra- only um, pass the test. So the kids are not prepared for the test. And why they're not prepared is because a lot of the population of kids that go there, a lot of kids who are in foster care, a lot of kids who have parents who work um, extensive hours so they're not at home, immigrant parents, things like that, who are not checking their work. We have a lot of kids, immigrant kids who even come up here without their parents and are working all the time. You know what I'm trying to say? We have a lot of those kids, so when it comes time for success, success will not be for everybody. So the judge's school and sit here and say, oh, this person's not successful because they didn't get an A on a test. There's, kid, there's people who don't get A's on tests but could be the, the most successful person in the world because they have an entrepreneur mindset and can kind of build businesses. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. You don't know what people's niche is. There's people who don't even go to college and are successful. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, that's true. So you have to realize that it's it's all about what the your experiences. kid. Yeah, what, what their experience is and what their niche is. What does your kid like? That's what, uh, once again, goes to parenting. If you don't know what your kid likes, then you'll have them fall for anything. Yep. The first schools that sends them an offer letter to say, hey, come to our school, you're just going to send them there. Why? Because it's close to the house. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Versus, is it good <laughs> for my kid? Yeah. Nah, it's close to the house. They can get there quick. Yeah, that's why. It's like, if you don't take the time to sit here and realize before convenience, let me make sure it's a good fit, then you're going to fall for anything and your kid will fall for anything. Yep. So I think parenting is very important. Yeah, and you can't be naive about parenting because you really got to check in. Absolutely. You really got to check in. You really got to play your part as a parent. Yep. 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 As you once were a student, you became a teacher. So now you got to teach your student, and which is your child. Absolutely. Like, that's how it unfolds. That's how you create cycles of skills and tools to generate through time. Yeah, absolutely. And change the generation to do something different for the world. Yep. Yep. You know, it starts with teaching our children how to function amongst each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have to just build that microcosm for students to sit here and feel as though that they can interact with each other, have great skills, have follow-up, yes. you know. A lot of these, you know, violence that's happening in Boston are from a lot of teenagers, you know what yes, I'm saying? Yes, it's so, it's so heartbreaking. You know, it's so sad. It's sad. It's sad, but once again, it's nothing new. I it is nothing new, and it's so sad because it became it's has now become a norm. Yeah, this is this is the and now this is the fucked norm. Up. And I think that what we have to sit here and realize is that the only way we're going to change this stuff is once again, parenting. Parenting. Yeah. There's no way my kid is going to sit here and be out there with no gang members. You know what I'm trying to say For and doing real. these things, listen. and I'm not. And they're going to still have a home to come to. Listen, I'm not calling the cops. Listen. I'm seeing a gun in my house, and I'm and I'm seeing people smoking weed in my house underage and drinking in my house underage, and I'm not calling the cops. I'm not kicking his ass out. You know what I'm trying to say? That's what I'm trying to say. As a parent, we have to really hold ourselves accountable. Because if you having your kid up in your house acting like a grown man, yeah. then what you think is going to happen when they start from 14 going over to 15, 16, 17, it's going to get worse. Yeah. Because they get bigger. Yep, they, they get, get bolder. They get bolder. They get th- their mindset starts to get very set. Yeah, and so at that point, when you think you're gonna tell an 18 year old what you should have told him at 14, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a, a problem on your hands. You are. You really. You know are. What I'm gonna say, and I just feel as though like it's not. Don't try to be a child's friend. It's okay to be the bad guy with your kid. It's okay. Yeah, they will. Is. They will be all right. It'll go a long way in life. For yep. Real. Yep. There's times I hated my mom too. I thought I did. I'm trying to say I thought I hated her, but at the same time, no, it was just a feeling. I was upset at the moment, and eventually, the moment—I mean—that feeling faded. You have to realize feelings are just temporary. Yes, everything's temporary. Yep, and that's what we have to teach our kids. Just because you feel like this today, won't mean that you'll feel like this tomorrow. So take your ass to school. For real. Yep. <laughs> take your ass to school. I don't give a damn. There's kids that even email me, and parents email me, tell me my kids taking a mental health day from school. So your kid is taking me- multiple mental health days once or twice a month out of school. So what about when your child has a job and they're not feeling good? You know what I'm trying to say, what they're going to sit here and just miss, miss work multiple times out of the month? No, it's not about that your child's faking it. It's about how your child's going to cope with it. There's times I'm pissed as shit when I'm going into work. Yes. But I you think I'm cussing that. out everybody? Yeah, no. No. There's certain things that you do to cope I with that. I leave shit at the door, mm-hmm. and then I go and my going to work. Yep. For me, my thing is crying. I cry before I get into the door. You know what I'm trying to say? And wipe that stuff right off. And yep. I'm like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm just going to go in here, get my coins, yep. and let me get the hell up out of here. <laughs> <laughs> let me get out of here quick. Yes. 
before things just go left. And I'll keep my distance from people, too. Yeah. Just meaning, like, not over-talking to people, not over-indulging, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Because I try to sit here and not Protecting your peace. Yeah, I'm protecting my peace. I'm not trying to put my feelings onto other people, you know what I'm trying to say? I always try to say my misery, my misery don't like company. Yes, so at the end of the I day, like yes. I'm not about to sit here and be coming into work and making everybody feel my heat. I'll just stay away from people. I'll still do my job, but I'm not going to sit here and be maybe cheerful and stuff. Yeah, it, it, and the thing is, is that you don't have to be perfect, but you're going to have to get through the day. Yes. You know what I'm trying to say? For real. You're going to have to make it through another day. For and that's like, when, when I'm in this kids. door and we all trying to communicate and talk about other things, I'm just like, huh? Yep. I'm in work mode. Yep. I done it, left that shit at the door. Yep. They want to ask you how you're feeling. Shit. Yo, for real, huh? Mm-hmm. I'm feeling great. Yep. How you, you feeling? feeling everything today? all right? Every, every, are you sure? I'm so I'm so sure. Yep. Everything's fine. I'm glad to be here today. Yep. Yep. And you got to keep everything limited. Yes. Because when you do keep things limited, that's protecting yourself. Yes, that is true. You know, you don't even know where you're at emotionally. So why sit here and overindulge in people and you don't even know where you're at? You know, it's it's, it's, a, it's a coping mechanism for yourself. But mm-hmm. that's what we need to teach our kids. Yeah. Coping mechanisms stop having them indulge in their depression or in their anxiety it's not it's not fake but at the same time if you don't give them a solution or try to help them find a solution or that's not the goal and the goal is just fixating on the disorder you'll always have them stuck yes that's true they'll They'll always always be be stuck. stuck you're handicapping them from feeling like they can do something they can excel they can exceed yeah it sucks, but yeah. it is what you're doing. Yeah, we gotta we gotta empower our kids, and I think in schools too. I think actually, before we end this podcast, I think one thing I would definitely say because I know these people will be like, "It's not just the parents," um, but I think schools can definitely do a better job, especially in Boston public schools, is raising the expectations for the kids. Yeah, I agree. <coughs> I think I the think expectations are too it's, too it's low. Very wild. They're too low. Um, and BPS, the minimum grade you need to pass to, to get through is a D minus. Really? You know I'm say? That's all you need to do is to get past um, the grade level is a D minus, which is a 60%. That means your kid only got 10% over a, a F. You and know? Randolph, they, you got to have a C, a C, a C plus. Exactly. So, but you see how districts can change it up, yeah, right? Yeah, I see. Yes. And that's when the systematic racism comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Because if kids are if kids are graduating with a diploma, but they barely did any work and only got a D minus average the whole time, that means that they barely did shit the whole time that they was there. Yeah. So, did they really graduate? Do they really know anything? No. You know what I'm trying to say? That's why we have a lot of kids who are graduating, especially from BPS who are still not prepared for college. They're not prepared for college, they're not prepared for success, because BPS, after, uh, uh, I, I would say, after like for the past seven years, they don't believe in retaining kids anymore. And that's why I'm saying it's not because of COVID. This has been going on yeah. for years. Yeah, they've shit. been stopped you know retaining I mean? kids. Yeah. The goal is to make sure a kid always moves forward. So if a kid, say, for example, feels three out of the six classes, they can still move forward and go to and the you next know why that's that's that, that that's because of the George George W. Bush, no George Bush, not George uh, is it George W. Bush, George, no George Bush, he uh passed the law No Child Left Behind. Oh yeah, and that's the reason why the educational systems do this. Yeah, it's because we don't want to sit here and make sure that any kid it doesn't have diploma, and we mm-hmm. want to stray away from kids being in the edu- education. education system for too long. 
But at the same time, if a kid's not prepared, a kid's not prepared. One thing that the education system did as well, and this is another thing that uh, we can talk about deeper in another time, is the effects that inclusion has had to education as well. Yeah. I'm not saying that kids should not be included in, for example, special ed kids. But special ed is not only intellectual disabilities, kids who have. No, it's physical. It's also can it's, be. It's, it's, it's emotional, It's too. emotional, physical, So you can just mental. be de- depression and yeah. be in special ed. Or you can also sit here and have ADHD or you can have autism. Yeah. It's all a range of things. But being included in a general ed classroom, I think that it becomes a little shaky. Because I think that um, sometimes when you have kids who are wanting to excel at a certain level, yeah. but then you have kids There's who are significantly be- behind. It's a disruption. It's not a disruption. I would never label it as a disruption. I would label it as kids are not getting exactly what they need 100%. Okay. So the kids that are ready to excel and move forward 100%, they have to stop a little bit and go a little bit slower to catch up with the kids that are behind. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I agree. And the thing yeah. is, is that before there used to be advanced classes, right? Yes, so there used to be used kids to be, that used yeah. to be in advanced classes who were above the curriculum. There used to be kids before that used to have disciplinary problems, meaning kids who were a little bit more behavior problems, behavior issues. And they used to be put in alternative schools. Yeah, that's you true. You know what I'm trying to say? Yep. And alternative schools are more of a therapeutic place to see if these kids could actually just find a career. Could you get a vocation? Could you sit here and learn? They would have more therapy, you know what I'm trying to say, to sit here and work on their anger. You know what I'm trying to say? The school was different and made for kids like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing with inclusion is is that a lot of the services have stopped. There's no alternative schools like that. There is, but they're very limited. Yeah, they are very limited. And the thing is is that when you have the limited stuff going on, you just pack all these kids with all these different learning paths and learning abilities all in one class. And I think that that's why a lot of kids are not as successful right now. That's what I see. Because working as a paraprofessional for like five years, I worked in classes where some kids fly through the content and are ready to sit here and move on. But because I would say about 25% of the class is behind and are getting paraprofessional services, extra support in the classroom to support them to even catch up with the top part of the class, they had to slow down. I'm trying to say they had to slow down for a lot of kids. And that means that a lot of kids who could excel and could, you know, reach the top benchmark were being regressed. You know what I'm trying to say? That's why you see a lot of kids leaving BPS because they're not being challenged enough. They're not. They're not being challenged enough because you're sticking kids who have behavior problems in a classroom. So class is not dedicated to just academics anymore. It's just dedicated to making sure kids are not killing each other. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, for real. Kids yeah. are beat. Kids are yelling in class. Kids are cocking over each other. Kids are throwing sitting here yelling, shit. throwing stuff. Yeah, it's attending to a lot of behavior problems, but, like, 25% of the kids ain't even about that. Yeah. 25% of the kids are just there to learn. Yep. But those 25% are ignored because now we got to worry about the 25% that's not behaving. Yeah. But really, that's a behavior problem. That you know is what I'm a say? behavior problem, yeah. If you continuously are disrupted, and this is an everyday thing, and this has been for multiple years, this is a behavior problem. Yeah. So in that case, we need to get you out this classroom, not saying that you don't need services at all, but we need to sit here and make sure you get the individual support that you need. Yeah. You don't get individual support when you got one parent in the classroom turning to 10 kids that's not listening. 
true. It does not work. And I think that people realize that inclusion, of course, everybody's included. You don't leave anybody out. But what does that do for people who have different goals? You know what I'm saying? I know that they put certain autistic kids, for example, in classes. This is absolutely fine because I know autism is a spectrum, you know? Sometimes you can have somebody who's super intelligent, but has a lot of social problems. You know what I'm trying to say? Social yeah, and comprehension issues. No, not even comprehension. They no. can probably comprehend, like but they can't. They can't comprehend like uh, social sarcasm. Yeah, social stuff. Social yeah. skills. Yeah, social social environment. So they can be in a classroom. Yeah, they can be. But in a when classroom. you have certain kids that lack the cognitive ability in the classroom, um, their goals are different. I work at ABA too, and I work with kids who. Or have autism, but are on the lower end of the spectrum who have, um, you know, uh, cognitive disabilities yeah. and may not be able to learn at a faster rate as everybody else. Their goals are different. They may yeah. have more vocational goals, learning how they can sit here and work in a work environment. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So it's really important to make sure that you're not mixing that all in one pot because that means that certain kids are lacking certain attention that they may need. You know, I don't think we need to be mixing all these abilities together because we need to sit here and realize every uh, ability, I mean, every need that a kid needs, is it requires individual attention. Yeah, I agree. For sure. But that's all we really wanted to say to y'all, you know. We had a real deep conversation about education because it's important for us to have these conversations. Yeah. We need to raise awareness to this because it's important, you know, as a whole. But, you know... That's what it is when we keeping it real. And at the end of the day, you got to do what you have to do as a parent. But teachers are also willing to meet you halfway as long as you communicate with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. Next time again, definitely for sure. One love. <laughs>